Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. Along the tide flats at the port of Tacoma, there's a squat warehouse surrounded by a chain-link fence. Inside, there could be anywhere from a few hundred to over a thousand people who are either undocumented or have allegedly violated their immigration status in some way. The facility is called the Northwest Ice Processing Center, and it's run by a private prison company called the GEO Group. Washington lawmakers tried to close the facility by passing a law banning private prisons in 2021, but a Ninth Circuit court decision led the state to abandon that goal. So lawmakers went to work again in 2023 and passed House Bill 1470. That law required the state to inspect private prisons to ensure facilities met health and hygiene standards. But according to reporter Grace Dung with The Washington Standard, that hasn't been happening, even while complaints from detainees pile up. The Department of Health has received over 300 complaints from detainees over food, hygiene, mistreatment by staff, and inadequate medical care. Detainees have reported food containing foreign objects, including burned plastic, metal string, rope, and splinters. Detainees have reported that their clothes are rarely laundered, and when they are washed, they return wet and dirtier than before. They've said the facility smells like a dirty bathroom. One complaint said a detainee with mental health issues soiled their clothing and was refused clean clothing by a guard. There's also medical concerns listed, included stroke, paralysis, asthma, internal bleeding, and heart conditions. One detainee with a broken arm was given only ibuprofen and did not receive a cast until days after the incident, according to these complaints. And none of these complaints are are new situations. The University of Washington Center for Human Rights has long reported on the conditions of this facility and have found numerous human rights violations. Much of their research uses ICE's own records. Their director told me nothing has changed since they first started investigating the facility a few years ago. In fact, the center's most recent report was actually titled Calls to Nowhere because researchers found that when detainees call the sexual assault reporting hotline, it's quite literally a call to nowhere. So you can imagine how seriously, you know, the facility is taking complaints about food and laundry when they're not following up on cases of sexual assault. So state lawmakers have tried to bring more oversight to this facility. We mentioned House Bill 1470, which required inspections by the State Department of Health. What's been the intention of that bill and and what's been the result, Grace? Right. So House Bill 1470, as you said, is supposed to give the state more oversight over the detention facility. I think technically it's supposed to give the state more oversight over all detention, for-profit detention facilities in Washington. But Northwest Ice Processing Center is, of course, the only one. Department of Health officials and Department of Labor and Industries officials are required to conduct routine unannounced inspections of the facility under this bill. DOH is there to inspect conditions of the facility and the welfare of detainees, and Labor and Industries is supposed to investigate the conditions of detainee workers. But they haven't been able to access the building? I mean, what's going on? Both Department of Health inspectors and Labor and Industries inspectors have attempted to access the facility. Altogether, they've tried four times, been denied every single time. Labor and Industries actually returned with a warrant from Pierce County Superior Court on their second visit and was still denied entry, according to a spokesperson from Labor and Industries. And we also know quite a bit about the Department of Health's two attempts to inspect the facility because of court filings. I'd encourage anyone listening to look up the story if they want all the sorted details. But basically, 
The inspectors tried to access the facility on the first visit. They were almost granted entry because the person at the front desk thought they were from Pierce County. They thought they were there presumably to inspect the kitchen. And then when the inspectors identified themselves as from the state, the front desk lady brought the the facility manager over and that manager denied them entry, cited pending litigation. In the second attempt, a higher level executive manager decided to come along to see if they could do anything to help. And this facility manager, again, um, I believe his name is Bruce Scott, went and spoke to ICE officials and said that those officials told him not to allow the inspectors access to the facility. So this is confusing because the state law that passed last year says that these inspectors should have access. How is GEO Group stymieing their access? I mean, what are they talking about with this pending lawsuit? Right. So there's actually two lawsuits going on right now, dueling lawsuits. GEO is suing the state of Washington over this bill, attempting to make it void and arguing that it interferes with federal immigration enforcement. And they also say that fully complying with the law would put it in breach of its contract with ICE and would require building upgrades estimated to cost over $3 million to improve conditions at the center. And then on the other hand, the Department of Health is suing GEO and asking the court to enforce this bill and make sure they have access to the facility for inspections. I believe the Department of Health said something along the lines of a private entity does not simply become exempt from a law by filing a lawsuit. So they are saying that while these legal challenges are pending, they're not going to let state inspectors in How are lawmakers responding to this situation where they've passed state law and yet the enforcement mechanism, the state inspectors for labor and for health are not actually allowed in the doors? Sure. And I want to be clear that GEO is saying that they don't have the authority to allow the state inspectors to enter the facility, that that's ICE's authority and ICE is denying them access, according to GEO and according to these court filings. So what lawmakers are saying Uh, Representative Lillian Ortiz-Self, who sponsored House Bill 1470, said this is a top priority for the Latino caucus and that the current situation is, and I'm quoting here, atrocious. She said, that's just crazy. It's the law. And she basically says that no private entity can be as powerful as GEO is. If you're a business operating in the state, you need to follow the laws of the state. She's still in the information gathering process. She's spoken with the agencies involved. She's spoken with the attorney general's office. But she said that if she can prove that ICE is denying access to the facility and not GEO, she wants to get Senator Patty Murray, who is a Washington Democrat and president pro tempore, involved in this situation. Is this potentially a situation where federal immigration authorities are at odds with state law and that this is going to have to be appealed in federal court? I mean, what could happen next here, Grace? These lawsuits are actually in federal court right now. The lawsuit filed by the Department of Health was in a different court and was moved into federal court because of the federal and state situation that's happening here. Jurisdictional Uh, issue. Yeah. The jurisdictional issue. Correct. I guess what like what could happen next here? I mean, it's just going to have to play out whose whose authority will hold sway because this is a federal 
facility, but it's it's within Washington State and Washington State lawmakers are saying that their inspectors should have access. Like what is what's next? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I can tell you what's happened in the past when the state has come up against ICE in regards to this facility. Washington has actually tried to completely shut down this facility before. A bill Representative Ortiz self passed in 2021 was supposed to shut down the facility by 2025. But a federal court decision over a similar California law that sought to ban private prisons determined that states cannot exert that level of control over federal immigration enforcement. And Washington decided after months of consideration that it's also bound by that court ruling. And obviously the facility remains open. So I don't know what's going to happen with this case, but I can say that in in past cases, the outlook is not great. Washington has been able to ensure that the facility isn't skirting, you know, every state law. Recently, the Washington Supreme Court ruled that GEO must pay detainees Washington minimum wage if they work at the facility before they were being paid the federal minimum for detention facilities, which is a dollar a day. So the state has been able to make sure that the facility doesn't skirt every Washington regulation, but you know the outlook is it's not it, it's not great. <laughs> there hasn't been a great track record in terms of the state being able to pull the ICE detention centers in, in other parts of the country under its purview, and of course we have governors facing off, in the case of Greg Abbott in Texas, with the federal government over immigration enforcement at the border. I mean, this is something that's playing out all over the country. Grace Dung with the Washington State Standard, anything else you want to add about this story or reporting questions that you're going to be following going forward? Your question about, you know, how much power the state has over this and how these lawsuits are going to play out, that's definitely something I'm going to be looking into. I have a call tomorrow with an immigration lawyer. I'm also, you know, looking into the uh, detainee handbook, which is very interesting. This handbook is given by GEO and it says things like detainees should choose to be happy. There's a lot of really wild bureaucratic language in there that I think readers should know about because it's it's really quite surprising that, you know, here in our year of 2024, we're still telling people to choose to be happy and that they can cope. Um, That's another thing that's said in this handbook. As they're facing deportation and as they're um, facing deportation, reportedly miserable conditions. Mm -hmm. Grace Dung, thank you very much for your reporting at the Washington State Standard and we'll follow it uh, going forward. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there's this showdown happening in Tacoma that partially echoes questions in other parts of the country over immigration law and the ability of state law to exert control over immigration enforcement. Northwest Immigrant Rights Project is a nonprofit that provides legal services and advocacy for low-income immigrants in Washington state. Anne Racinos is a supervising attorney with the organization, and they represent about 150 people housed at the Northwest Ice Processing Center in Tacoma. Hi, Anne. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Can you describe the type of work that Northwest Immigrant Rights Project does with people who are detained at the facility in Tacoma? Who are your clients? Uh, Sure. Uh, We actually provide legal help to people that are detained at the Tacoma Detention Center in a couple of different ways. One is by providing individual people with full representation, meaning our staff would sign on to represent that person in their immigration court and do things like prepare their evidence and appear in court with them. And in that type of work, you work really, really closely with the individual. You work dozens of hours with them to prepare 
And so it's a very intensive process. But we also do a bunch of other types of interventions that are more limited. So brief services where we, instead of going really, really deep into the case and doing all aspects of the case with the individual, we'll provide brief services on one discrete aspect of their case. And that way we can provide more services to folks detained there, even if they're not formally our full client. And so that's being said, we, we work with people from all countries and the whole gamut of asylum cases and other types of cases. So when Northwest Immigrant Rights Project works with people at the facility, are lawyers allowed into the center? And if so, what do they observe about the conditions there? Lawyers are allowed into the center, but not into all parts of the facility. We're sort of maintained or kept to the attorney visitation rooms where we meet one-on-one with either individual clients or or people that we're trying to provide brief services to. We don't get to see very much. Um, What we know is mostly from what clients are telling us. What do you hear from clients and, and their families? There's A lot of complaints around, I would say, food. That's one of the uh, most typical complaints or observations from our clients, either that the food is stale or appears or smells spoiled after being served. Often people are concerned that there's not enough protein in the meals. There have been times where people have had dietary restrictions, either for religious purposes or for other reasons, and they were concerned that those dietary needs weren't being met. Uh, Another big one, I I would say, is hygiene or laundry. That's typically around the clothing that people are are given at the detention center being unclean or still a little bit moist and mildewy. And so a lot of times folks are doing their own laundry in the bathrooms with, you know, the soap that they have on hand and trying to make the most of the situation, but it's quite uncomfortable. and, And so those are some of the most common ones, but we've also heard temperature regulation being really difficult in the detention center, people being very cold and unable to sleep through the night because of the really um, chilly temperatures. And we've recently heard that the power was going out during some of the coldest temperatures we were getting here in Washington. And so that was a pretty distressing situation for some of our clients. And have you observed any consequences of these conditions in your own clients? I mean, being very cold, not having access to proper nutrition, these are things that can have broader consequences, right? Have you seen any of that with your clients? Yeah, to varying degrees. I'm not a medical professional, but I can observe that with clients that have been at the detention center, especially those who are there for longer stretches of time, um, as time goes on, the fatigue and the stress of being in that detention center starts to wear on their ability to to access their memories, to provide cogent answers to questions. And physically, they do seem to become really drained and sort of the whole gamut of issues that they're facing is readily apparent to me that they're not in a good situation. And that as time goes on, it becomes worse and worse. Um, one client I had was in the detention center for almost 13 months. And so these very cumulative issues that they're dealing with, it starts to become overwhelming. So earlier in this hour, I've been discussing with Grace Dung, a reporter with the Washington State Standard, about how Washington State has been trying to get health and labor inspectors into the Tacoma ICE Detention Center for some time, but that effort has been unsuccessful. In 2021, Washington lawmakers passed a bill to try to close the facility. That's not going to happen because of subsequent uh, court activity out of California. 
What does the story of this facility in Tacoma tell you, Anne, about the challenges that state regulators have in exerting any kind of control over a federal agency like ICE? Well, I I would say that the story is one of, you know, opacity. It's it's really hard to access information Uh, by design. The facility is meant to keep people in and keep information, I think, in. And so it, it does not surprise me, sadly, that things have been so difficult in terms of oversight and access to information. For us, you know, that is our focus is representing people in, in their immigration cases. And but we are affected, I think, in similar ways where we have difficulty sometimes accessing the information we need or, or even um, getting clients some of the basic tools that they need to be able to fight their case in court. The state is going to continue to battle this out in federal court with ICE. There's been these conflicting lawsuits that have been filed from GEO Group that runs the detention facility and the Department of Health. What will you be watching for as this plays out and how might it affect your own clients conditions there at the facility and your attorney's ability to uh, access their clients and ensure that they are experiencing proper conditions at the facility? Yeah, I think we'll really be keenly watching whether there'll be mechanisms for clients to be able to raise concerns and actually have a, a responsive and efficacious result. We aren't charged necessarily with resolving some of the complaints that they might have, but we certainly are aware of them and try to connect them with existing institutions or resources or entities that might have that oversight power and be able to do something. And and it has been a frustration that there are so many limitations in when we try to connect our clients to those entities. And so at the end of the day, what are the tangible results of, of all of these efforts and all of this litigation? What What are the answers that we can provide to clients in terms of who to connect them with, who can actually resolve the issues that they're facing day to day? And Racinos is a supervising attorney at Northwest Immigrants Rights Project. Thank you very much, Anne, for being here and for sharing your perspective on what's going on with the ICE Detention Center in Tacoma. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to SoundSide. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.